Today's reading comes from Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. Luke 13, verses 10 to 17, and it's found on page 1046, 1046. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 young years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Praise God. Thank you, Peter. Let's pray <clears throat> that your word, Father, should come to us afresh, that we should receive it gladly, that we should delight to live in its truth as a witness to the world of your great love. For Jesus' sake, amen. So Luke, the gospel writer, gives us this account or story in a particular way. And we ought to note how he tells it, because he tells it in a way that probably we wouldn't. You see, he could have said, and I think we probably would have said, that there was a woman who in the synagogue who had been doubled over for the past 18 years. And she got called up to the front, and she was spoken to by by Jesus, he laid hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. And telling it that way, which is kind of how I think we would have done it, or I would have done it at least, it's all about the woman. But Luke doesn't tell it that way. Luke isn't telling us about the woman. He's telling us about Jesus. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't get distracted by this healing, this woman who gets healed. We should concentrate on Jesus, who's the focus of the story. And we may find then that when we focus on Jesus, the healing begins to happen. It's all about Jesus. And I want to bring three things about Jesus that Luke tells us. And the first thing is, where he was. Verse 10 tells us it was a Sabbath. It was a Sabbath and Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Well, that's the interesting point, isn't it? Jesus was in church. On the Lord's day, 
he was there, a regular churchgoer. The first time that Luke tells us that Jesus was in church is way back in uh, chapter 4 of his gospel. And there, Jesus, uh, it says, uh, Jesus was in the synagogue in worship as was his custom. It was customary for Jesus to be amongst the people. And uh, on that day, he was uh, on the reading rota. He'd been there long enough to be on the reading rota, and he had read from the book of Isaiah, as we know. So he'd been there enough for that. But by now, in chapter 13, he's progressed from the reading rota to the preaching rota. He was teaching in one of the synagogues. And the basic point is not that he was teaching, but that he was in church regularly enough to gain the confidence of the people to be able to teach, regularly enough to grow in the person, uh, to become so, in his personhood, to become someone who handles God's word amongst the people, regularly enough to build the relationships and deepen and enrich his relationship with God the Father. And the point is for us that if Jesus needed to be in church, so do we, regularly. If Jesus was there with his deep and personal relationship with the Father, with the intimate understanding of God's purposes and plans for the people and indeed for the whole world, he knew all of that. If Jesus was there to grow in community and ministry with God's people, how much more do we need it? If being in church was central to his life and his work, then that's where we should be also, amongst God's people. How good it is that we are here on this day amongst God's people. So that's where he was in church. And it makes then a bit more sense when this woman is released from her infirmity. The verse, two, uh, verse 12 says she had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, bent over and could not straighten up at all, unable to look up. Remember that word that we had uh, from the words of knowledge about being unable to look up. No doubt she had been in the synagogue many times over the previous 18 years of her affliction, faithfully taking her place in the congregation with the rest of God's people. But this day came and she was healed. Immediately, verse 13 tells us, she straightened up and praised God. Because not only was Jesus present in church, this was a day when the church knew the presence of Jesus. Do you get it? Not only was Jesus present in church, but the church knew the presence of Jesus. He was at the center. Jesus was present at the heart of things, and she was freed from her infirmity. And now, when Jesus is present in church, there's power. Power to heal, power to make new. The point about the church However we do it, whether we're fancy or whether we're plain, whether we're loud, whether we're quiet, the point about church 
is to put Christ at the center where he should be, present at the heart of things. This is Jesus' church. It's not my church because I'm the vicar. It's not your church because you go to it and give your tithe. It's Jesus' church. He is at the heart and center of it all. And our heart's desire is to meet with him, to meet with the Lord in worship, to know him, to let him have his way, to bring us healing, that we should go out of here better than when we came in. That's what we want. That's why we're here. But on that day in the synagogue, he takes center stage and this power struggle breaks out. Jesus frees the woman and the synagogue ruler comes up to him in verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader says to him, there are six days for, for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And Jesus in repost says, you hypocrites, hypocrites. We know that power struggles break out in church. Oftentimes when, I don't know, when a new vicar comes or there's an expensive project on or there's some significant changes happen, we get power struggles. Because we feel, in those moments, we feel the vulnerability. I might be disturbed in who I am and what I do and whether, uh, whether it's all going to be unbearably different. And so we're tempted in those moments to assert our own control and our influence on the things of the day. And when we do that, Jesus comes again to take, contend for his place. And he doesn't just contend for his place. He takes it, places himself where the words of our worship put him. To take his place so that our hearts agree with the words of our worship. That it's Jesus. All about Jesus. And I don't believe there's a single person in the room who doesn't at times have that struggle to come to worship when they're feeling disaffected and to place Jesus at the center of what's going on. So the true church has Jesus at the center. And when he's at the center, there is power. And so on this day, let us seek Jesus. Place him at the heart of our worship. Seek his power that we might be healed today. That's the first thing. He was in church. The second thing is what he saw. Verse 11 tells us a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And verse 12 says, when he saw her. When he saw her, he saw her, saw her by her true nature. You and I might have seen a crippled woman 
We might have seen someone who was helpless. We might have seen some poor unfortunate, maybe an embarrassment or an inconvenience or a nuisance. We might have seen an irrelevance to the labor force of the church. But it takes godly sight to see her. A woman. She was a woman who had been crippled by a spirit. She was not defined by her condition. Her importance was much more than that. She was a woman made in the image of God. So us men ought more than to bear with the women when they have a Friday night do and give a notice about it. We should be rejoicing men, encouraging, enthusing over what the women are doing because they are women in Christ. person infinitely loved by the Father and that's what Jesus saw. He saw her. And that's the great gospel gift, isn't it? That's where the evangelicals have got it so right that God sees us, each of us, individually. He wants a relationship of love and intimacy and trust with you and with me. He sees us each of us. And when we allow him to see us, healing begins. Because to allow God to see us, we have to accept ourselves as we are, in all our brokenness, in all our bent overness. We have to love ourselves too. How wonderful it would be to be seen by Jesus today. Truly seen. To be able to allow him to know the mess. But Jesus didn't just see her. He saw what God wanted for her. He looked beyond her condition to what the Father was calling her to be. He saw her destiny. Verse 16, he calls her a daughter of Abraham. Truly one of God's people. Truly deserving of the freedom of God's people. People for whom and to whom God was calling. Should not this daughter of Abraham be set free on the Sabbath from what has bound her. What if God spoke our destiny today? A child of Abraham, included in heaven's book of life, destined to serve him in holiness and righteousness. A person made whole in Christ, confident of his love, sharing his life. What is it that you need to hear from Jesus that would fulfill, fulfill your inner desire? Your destiny is in the hands of God. He calls us to that destiny. So why not ask him what it is? Ask him that he might make you the man or the woman that he's calling you to be. 
Because Jesus has that 2020 vision for this woman. He sees her, a woman, and he sees her destiny in God, a child of Abraham. He sees that freedom that God wants for her, and he sees her with perfect sight. He raises her up, straightens her out. So that's what he sees. Thirdly, what he does, what he did. Because the woman, we're told in verse 11, has been crippled by a spirit. The word used for spirit it doesn't uh, mean that some external entity has invaded her body or her heart uh, in that sense and afflicted her. It, it more means, uh, it speaks of a weak spirit, a spirit with no strength, a spirit of, of weakness, really. Uh, perhaps as if it was something that's not quite right in her, as if the sheer effort uh, of the condition has wearied her spirit. Maybe like the ox or the donkey of verse 15 that they were very happy to give a drink of water to, wearied by its labour and work and condition. Very happy to give the ox and the donkey a cup of water, but don't straighten this woman out on a Sabbath. Maybe she was like that. The weakness of the inner self that manifests in the crippling of her outer, outer self. She's bent double, bent over so she could not straighten up at all. And this physical condition of the woman shows us all something of our inner condition. We all have a weakness of spirit where we're bent double, where we can't look up. Our fears prevent us from trusting God properly. Our fears prevent us from trusting properly, from our, our wounds of life and trials mean that we try to numb the pain rather than seeking after God. We all have fears or disappointments that prevent us from living as a son or a daughter of Abraham. And I know what that's like. I was in a place where the power struggle broke out in the church and for some months I was bent over double and I could not look up. Unable to work for a time. The doctor signed me off. And I believed I had come to the end of my ministry. I resigned to the bishop. But a weak spirit, you see, it's not the point of failure. The weak spirit is not a point of failure. It's the point where God comes to meet us. Because that's where we need him. In my weaknesses, one of the verses I came across that really helped to put me back together again was Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit grows faint, it is you, Lord, who watch over my ways. I'd rather the Lord watched over my ways than do it myself. It's in that manner that Jesus sees our woman in the synagogue. 
And he does three things. First of all, he calls the woman to be with him. He calls her forward in verse 12 and 13. He places this woman, crippled for 18 years, with him. Precisely because the kingdom of God is about healing. When we have a a weak spirit, our inclination is to go backwards, to retreat, to hide away, to avoid being seen or facing the issue. But Jesus calls her forward to be with him. Jesus calls us from the other side of our fears that they may be overcome. He calls her to be with him. Secondly, he tells her the truth. Woman, he says, you are freed from your infirmity. And this is not the truth as you or I see it. This is the objective truth as God sees it. There's a a greater reality than this world. There's a, 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 a more permanent reality than this. And that permanent reality is where there is no more affliction, no more crying or pain or tears. And God himself wipes away every tear from the eye. That's the eternity, the reality in which we live. Truly, we are citizens of that place. The objective truth that all those who are children of Abraham are members of God's family. So when God looks at us, he sees what Christ has already achieved in us and that's the truth that Jesus speaks over us. Woman, you are healed from your infirmity. And what Jesus does is calls us to be defined by that different reality that we're beloved children of God, that the weak spirit that doubles us up is not who we are. We're children of Abraham, whole in Christ. And Jesus calls us to be defined by that truth and to live in the reality of it. And so he lays his hands on her. It's an act in Jewish terms that would have had the effect of taking her infirmity upon himself. But he does it. He touches her, takes her infirmity and gives her his wholeness. He ends her isolation in the community. And above all else, what we know, don't we, is that our affliction isolates us. It's my pain and no one else can take it away or knows what it's like. My pain is my pain and I am isolated in it. And no matter how much we tell ourselves that there are others worse off than ourselves, we still suffer our personal pain because it's isolating. But Jesus reaches out and touches the woman. He ends her isolation. And he brings a reality that God already sees to it. Jesus, taking center stage, seeing with the eyes of God, bringing his kingdom truth and touch. And verse 17 finishes by telling us that the people were delighted with the wonderful things that he was doing. 
Wouldn't it be great if we went out of here delighted today? That we left church not only better, but delighted that we had been there. Straightened out a bit. What's the point in coming to worship if when we leave, we haven't got a little bit better? By the way, I don't believe that God hasn't done anything amongst this group of people in the last week. I don't believe that. I think he's been well at work in your lives in the last week. And we might next week, no, not next week, it's community service. Well, we might do it next week, I don't know. We will in future weeks have more invitations to come and share at the microphone what God has done in the week for you. Big things or little things. I don't mind. Just things that God is doing. Because worship with Jesus at the centre is where healing happens. Worship where Jesus helps to see each other with godly eyes as members of the same family of God. Worship where the word of God is heard as the determining truth, the reality by which we are straightened up. These are the things that are ministered here in this place at the end of our service that will happen as we begin to sing. Where there's people available to pray for you in the doubled upness of the weakness of spirit. That you may receive the attention of being called forward to meet with Jesus. That you may hear the true word of Jesus and know the healing touch of Jesus because it's all about Jesus and when we focus on him healing happens so let us sing to his praise the ministry team will be here and you may avail yourself of their services between now and the end